to see so many on this bank holiday, uh, on this bank holiday Sunday. Uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to you, and I'd like to encourage you to stay along afterwards, make yourself known to us, and have a cup of coffee or tea upstairs. Delighted to welcome our organist this morning, uh, Jim Carson, Minister Emeritus from Greystones Presbyterian. Jim, it's lovely to have you back again. You're no stranger here, and you, you look at home there at the organ as well. So delighted to have you here. And I'd also like now to welcome our speaker for this morning, Theo Douglas from Dundalk, or Drogheda, sorry, that was close. Uh, <coughs> he's been with us several times before, and uh, he comes under the visiting uh, 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 accredited preacher scheme. So you're very welcome. Uh, just to mention a few of the announcements this morning, you've seen most of these before, so I'm not going to go through them uh, in detail, really. I just want to mention uh, that this morning we're saying bye to, goodbye to a lady from the Netherlands, Gerarda. I'm not sure if I got that name pronounced correctly. Um, you've been worshipping with us here for a number of months, I believe, and uh, you're now heading back home, so... We wish you, well, God's blessing on your travels back home and your ongoing uh, career. Uh, we're delighted to have you with us over the past few months. It's just been fantastic. and glad you've been able to worship here with us. I'd like to invite Martin from DIO to say a few words. Martin, where are you? And Martin's going to explain to you what DIO is. And what that means is, I don't know what it stands for. Dublin something or other, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I've been helping with DIO, which stands for Dublin International Outreach. And every day this week and in the upcoming week, we've been running a conversation cafe for students from around the world to practice their English, but also offering them an opportunity to think a little bit more about the Christian faith and to take part in a Bible study. Um, thank you so much for your prayers already. Um, it's just really encouraging chatting to you and listening, just being encouraged by you praying for us. Uh, some highlights from our week so far. Uh, we've had about 60 people coming to the cafe, not every day, but over different days. And many of them have come to the Bible study and we've just been really encouraged by the variety of people coming. We've had people from Turkey, from China, Taiwan, from Brazil, from Mexico, from all over the world. And just that has been very encouraging. And we've just been really encouraged by those going to the Bible study. We've had about, I can't guess how many we've had come to the Bible study. But it's just been really wonderful seeing lots of people who picked up the Bible for the first time really asking questions of faith. I was sat chatting to a Polish guy this week about can someone live a good life and just really challenging what he thought and meant by that. Uh, ways you could be praying for us this week. I think pray for the, en the energy for the team. Um, many of us are not from Ireland and many of us don't speak English as our first language. So it's just really tiring every day. So just pray for energy for us to carry on. And then pray for the students we've spoken to. 
Um, pray that we build better relationships and that we just have more opportunity to speak God's words into situations. We've got quite a few students that will never go to the Bible study, so just pray for the conversations with them as well, that we have an opportunity there to speak to them. Um, But thank you again for your prayers, and thank you again for letting us use your floors upstairs to sleep on. It's been really nice. Thank you. Good morning, all. Uh, It's a beautiful day out there. Thank God. It's a day that the Lord has made. It's warm. It's sunny. I don't know if you're like me, struggling to sleep at night because of the heat. Uh, That's rich coming from someone who came from where it's blazing hot. But I've gotten used to life in Ireland. 20 years in Ireland makes you soft. Now I struggle at night because of heat. But I won't complain too much. We know what awaits if the sunshine goes away. It's the rain and the cold. So we just pretend everything is good. Once again, good morning and welcome to everyone. Uh, If you're here for the first time, a special welcome to you. Like I've been introduced earlier on, my name is Theo Douglas. I'm from the Droida Presbyterian Church. I've been here before. It's always a humbling experience to be here. I always look forward to being here, and I plan to enjoy myself this morning. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrew, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, and I'll quickly read as we bring bring ourselves and our hearts before God this morning. It encourages us with these words that encourages us to draw near to God. For there is something that awaits us in the presence of the one who calls us through his son, Jesus Christ. And Hebrew 4, 15 and 16 puts it thus. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Such comforting words, such assuring words, as we come before the Almighty God today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day. It is a day that you have made. And we thank you, merciful Father, because you have given us every benefit, every privilege to be able, Father Lord, to enjoy the blessings that this day ushers into our lives. And we thank you more importantly, Father Lord, because you have made it possible for us to be able to come into your holy presence. And as we come before you, Lord, this morning, we bow our hearts before you, and we pray, Lord, that you will be with us in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our opening praise song for this service today is a song that celebrates the goodness of God. Those who have received the mercy and the blessings of God, how do they begin to respond to what God has done for them? Our opening song for today says, Sing to God a new song of worship. Be seated. 
Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, glorious God, mighty God, awesome God, wonderful God, holy God you are. We, your people, have come before you today to celebrate you, to honor you, and to adore you, to behold upon that glory that you have revealed to us through the ages, through your Son. We have come before the Holy One, the Mighty One, the One who is perfect in all ways, the One in whom no sin is found, the One in whom there is no shadow of turning, the One who by His mighty deeds created the heavens and the earth. We have come to behold the glory of the One who is the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was from the beginning, the one who has no beginning, and the one who has no end. We have come to behold the glory of the one who is righteous in his ways, whose ways are higher than our ways, whose ways are beyond our comprehension, whose ways we cannot fathom out. We have come to behold the glory of the one whose kingdom is from eternity to eternity and shall never come to an end. What is man, O God, that you are mindful of him, the son of man, that you care for them? Yet, Father, Lord, in the kindness of your heart, in the goodness of your heart towards us all, you reach out to our world with your love. The Holy God reaches out to a fallen people, the Holy God, in all of his righteousness, putting aside by mercy his royal and holy judgment, that he might save a people unto himself. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We acknowledge that we are not worthy of your holy presence. We acknowledge our fallen nature. We acknowledge, Father Lord, that in your holiness, that we are subjects for your rights. But in, as we acknowledge our shortcomings, we also acknowledge your mercy towards us. As we look towards the cross, we see your love for us. We see your mercy for us. And we are encouraged, Father Lord, to draw near to you, knowing, Father Lord, that you are the God who justifies us. And so, Lord, as we humble ourselves before you this morning, we confess our sins. We acknowledge, Father, Lord, that we are not worthy of your presence. We acknowledge that we are hungry for you. We acknowledge that we need you. We bless you, Lord, because you are the God who has promised us your salvation in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for the love that you have revealed to us in your Son, Jesus Christ. This love we've come to celebrate as we come before you this morning. For the cause of this love, we have come to worship you today, Lord, because we know that you care for us. And so, Lord, as we come before you this morning, we are reminded of your faithful promise that says to us that we are two or three are gathered in your name, you will be there. Father, you are faithful who promised, and we know you are with us this morning. And we pray, Lord, 
that through the power of your Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, you will minister to us all this morning. We pray, Lord, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will speak to all hearts, O oh God. You will reach us at the point of our needs. You will cause our heart to open itself to you, to receive from you. And you will cause our heart to leave this place, rejoicing, Father, as those who have met with you, have seen your glory, and have been blessed by it. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this is your desire for us in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we continue our service this morning with our next praise hymn. It's one which celebrates the faithfulness of God to us all. Great is thy faithfulness. I will now call on Jennifer to bring to us our first reading for today. The reading this morning is taken from um, Ephesians chapter 2. You'll find that on page 1174 in the Church Bible. So Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. Thank you, Jennifer. It's now time for us to bring our offerings before the Lord. If you have not come prepared for any offering this morning, don't be pressurized. Don't feel pressured to do anything. Just pass the tray along. Thank you.
Before the children will leave for their Sunday school, I have been reminded today is the first Sunday of the month of August, and I understand there's a tradition that honors those who, whose birthday come up in the month of August. Is there anyone here this morning who is born in August? Okay. Okay. I understand the tradition is usually to sing happy birthday song for them. So uh, will we all rise together and sing and celebrate this day with these August babies? <laughs> Let's sing together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. I understand especially it's a birthday for Kimberly today. Is she here today? Happy birthday to you as well. And I pray that today brings you lots of happiness. Okay, it's time for children from the ages of three to eight to go to your classes for today. Everyone here is above eight years old. Great. Okay. Do we have anyone going out for... Are you eight years old, yeah? You're just not going today. Okay. Okay, we continue the service. Um, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, wonderful God you are, gracious God you are, and we are so thankful because we can come before you, for you are the God who receives us, not on the account of what we are or who we are, but on the account of who you are. For you are our gracious God. You are the God who graciously reaches out into our world, knowing and seeing our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our failings. Knowing, Father Lord, that we cannot save ourselves. You are the God who lovingly reaches out to save us. And we thank you, you are the God who has opened and left open that door for us to be able to come to you with our help, with our cries for help. We can lift up our hands to you. We can bring our petitions to you. We can bring our needs to you because you are the God who cares for us all. You are the God who sees us, who knows us, who sees our weaknesses and sees our helplessness. You are the God who has not left us in our helpless condition. Daily, Father Lord, you beckon to us that we should draw near to you. For with you there is help for us in time of our need. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you, Father Lord, for all the good things that you have done in our lives. Yet, Father Lord, we are ever searching, ever looking for more of your blessing. Lord, we bring our communities before you today. 
will bring a community that is dying, a community that is going astray daily, a community that is lost, that is in total darkness, a community that needs help yet does not know what manner of help or where that help will come from, a community that is toiling, that is groaning under the heavy burden of what your word identified and reveals to us as saints. Lord, we bring our communities before you today. We hear of incidents in our community, of lives being lost daily, Father Lord, of people being attacked even in our streets, of victims being stabbed, Father Lord. It's almost become a daily occurrence in this city, O oh Lord. Even when we go outside of this city, we see even in the peaceful communities, quiet communities, we see, Father Lord, violence taking over. And when we look at our world in general, Father Lord, there is so much violence going out out there. We hear of war. We hear of tensions. We hear of old community being displaced, lives being destroyed, hopes being shattered, dreams being quashed. Father Lord, every time we open ourselves to hear the news, Father Lord, what awaits us is gloom and doom of what is going on in our world. We need you, but we are too blinded by the prince of this world to see that need. Only your peace can save our world, but we are too arrogant, too proud, and too set in our ways to humble ourselves and come to you the God who reveals himself as the God of peace. Father, Lord, we cry to you today. Father, help us. Help our leaders. Help us in our communities, O oh Lord. Help us to be able to see that light of hope that you shine into our community through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, save us. For that is your will for us. Lord, we want to thank you for those that you are using to bring the light of hope, the light of the gospel into the community. We thank you for the church. We thank you for the various ministries that come out from the church. This morning, Father Lord, we even hear the testimony from the organization DIO. We thank you for what you have using these men and women to accomplish. Lord, we pray for this ministry this morning. Lord, we pray for them for strength. Lord, we pray for them for encouragement. Lord, we pray for them for support. And Lord, we know, Father Lord, that you are the God who makes the effort of the farmers to bring forth yield. Lord, we pray that all their toiling, Father Lord, will bring a harvest, a harvest of souls who have been saved from the kingdom of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of light. Lord, we thank you for those who are celebrating their birthday this month, O oh Lord. We thank you for the life that you have given to each and every one of them. Especially, Father, Lord, that wonderful knowledge of having Christ in their lives. Father, I pray for each and every one of them, O oh Lord, that as they enter into a new year, O oh Lord, I pray that your blessing will accompany them into this new year. Lord, I pray that you will hold them by hand and you will guide their steps as they go into this new year, O oh Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, Lord, that your blessings will be there, Lord, as they step into a new year, O oh Lord. Heavenly Father, we lift up before you those in our midst, 
the quiet ones, the ones no one notices, the one that goes about their businesses, Father Lord, not noticed, not seen, yet, Father Lord, they have burden in their hearts. They have burdens that challenges them too also, Lord. Heavenly Father, we bring this before you this morning. You are the God who sees all. You are the God who knows all. The scripture tells us, Father Lord, each and every one of us you know by name, and the hair on our head you have numbered. Lord, we pray, and so we bring this ones closer to you today. Lord, visit them in the quietness of their homes, O Lord. Reveal your comfort in arms to them, O Lord, and let them be assured of your ever presence with them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Lord, in the quietness of our heart this morning, we bring our petitions before you, knowing that you are the God who cares for us. And Lord, we thank you, because we know you hear us when we call upon you. And the assurance we have when we pray to you is this, that when we pray according to your will, you hear us. And because you hear us, Father Lord, we know that our prayers have been answered. And we thank you, Father Lord, even as we round up our prayers this morning, in the words of the prayers your Son has taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And from our trespasses, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is thy kingdom, the power and thy glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us now continue our service even as we prepare to hear from the Lord with the next song that encourages us that in spite of whatever we are going through, as long as we are looking unto God, he says to us, be still. Our second reading for today it's taken from the book of Titus. Titus is the book before the book of Hebrews. Titus is just before Hebrews. And it's chapter 2. And we are going to be reading from verse 11 through to 15. The book of Titus, chapter 2, reading from verse 11 through to 15. And I read. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us all, from all wickedness, and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These 
then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word brings light into our lives. And we thank you, Father, Lord, because you word you speak to your people. They are not empty. They are spoken and they are sent, Father, Lord, to accomplish a purpose in their lives. Father, you gave the assurance that your words do not come back to you empty. And we thank you, Father, Lord, because through the power of your words, we are blessed. We are nurtured. We are instructed, Father, Lord, on how, Father, Lord, to live in this present age that we, Father, Lord, might see the glorious coming of your Son that you promised. Father, speak to us through the teacher himself, the Holy Spirit. Open our hearts, Lord, to receive from you, that our joy may be full. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was growing up, I don't know, for those who know me, I used to be a professional footballer back in my native country, Nigeria. And growing up, when I was in the university, I was playing for a club, and Dennis was one of my teammates. Now, let me tell you something about Dennis. If you have read the story of Paul Gascoigne, if you have read the story of George Best, Dennis will be a fusion of those two merged in one body. Dennis was a good footballer. Dennis could do anything he chooses to do. Dennis was a young guy with a future ahead of him, talented in every way. Dennis was a sound midfielder, if I will use the parlance of footballers. But Dennis had a problem. Dennis only shows up to play when he feels like. Dennis was possessed by what we would call a demon. Dennis gave our coaches nightmare, and to the management of the club, Dennis was a terror. But Dennis was talented, and it was a case of what I will do with Dennis. Let me share some aspect of Dennis' life. Dennis will show up at training in the morning drunk. In the hot tropical sun of Nigeria, when you come in drunk in the morning, reeking of alcohol, the flies will betray you because the flies follow you. And Dennis will show up in training in the morning, flies on his back, and everybody moves aside from Dennis. Dennis will not sleep at home. Sometimes we'll have to go and wake him up in a brothel or something. Dennis lived a reckless life. I lost how many counts he will have encounter with the law enforcement agents. Because Dennis will go into brothels, use the services of these women, and refuse to pay them, even end up beating some of them. Such was the colorful life that Dennis was given to. But on a day Dennis decides to play, on a day he shows up to play football, Dennis will become a demon on his own, on the field to the opposing team. And so that was the life of Dennis, and the management had to tolerate him until he got to the point where the decision had to be made, the reputation of the club or the one who is bringing it to disrepute. 
And so it was one night, 3 a.m. in the morning it was, I got a knock on my door when we were in camp. And some of my colleagues came to me and said, you know what, Dennis is in trouble again, he's in the police station. And Dennis is already on his last warning from the club management. So I got up. In the middle of the night, we had to trek almost 10 kilometers to get to that police station where Dennis was being held. And when we got there, I saw Dennis behind the counter having a go with the policeman. Dennis was questioning why they would detain him. He was drunk, all right. He had beaten up a girl, all right. And Dennis would not keep his mouth shut. So I walked in and I looked at him. And I screamed at him and I said, Dennis, look at the time. I'm supposed to be sleeping. Dennis, shut up. Sign whatever you need to sign and let's get out of here. Such was the life of Dennis. The last time I saw Dennis before leaving Nigeria will be 1996. I left Nigeria in 97. And I saw him on the street. The club had let him off. So Dennis didn't have any job by the time I saw him last. And I just saw him one night. He was walking the street. And when he saw me, he wasn't looking too great. And he asked me for money. And I emptied my wallet and gave it to him. And as he walked off, I looked at him. I was almost close to tears because I said to myself, how is he going to survive the years ahead? Twenty-something years after, the thought of Dennis never left my mind. I kept wondering, how is he? In my mind and as far as I'm concerned, Dennis will be dead by now. Until that day on Facebook, when I saw this guy, the same Dennis, all right, he had changed. Dennis was now an enforcement officer. He was now a police officer. Dennis, for whatever reason, by finding Christ, had been able to turn his life around. The one who was against the law is now who is now saddled with the responsibility of upholding the law. Sometimes we look at stories like this, and we wonder how this manner of turnaround can come about. Sometimes we look at people, men or women, who are given to this manner of life, who walk down this path. And it is easy for us to look at them and come to that conclusion that they will never amount to anything. It is not only we, even the people walking in that path themselves struggle to see anything good coming out of their lives. From my experiment in trying to evangelize to people, one of the impediments I've found that hinders people from coming to Christ is not because they do not want the gospel. It's not because the gospel does not make sense to them. Oftentimes people look at themselves. They look at where they are at. And they simply cannot see anything good coming out of where they are at. They look at themselves and ask the question, is this gospel for me? Or is it for someone else? They look at what they are going through and they say to themselves, even if I open myself to the gospel, how am I able to turn my life around? This becomes a big impediment. Oftentimes I say to people, I say, it's not that people don't want to receive the gospel. Rebellion necessarily does not mean because people are against the gospel. 
Oftentimes, the heart of man rebels because of his inability to comply with the laws of God. He sees what God requires. He sees our holy God and what that holy God requires in coming to him. And man looks at himself in the state that Paul described in the first reading today, in a state where he says we are all dead in trespass. Such looks at themselves and they ask, is this for me? What do I need to do to avail of this? And if at all I can avail of this scripture, how is this going to change me? I do not have the strength to change where I am at. I remember growing up as a teenager, I grew up in a Christian home. I will pride myself a Christian growing up. But in trying to live as a teenager, in trying to live the life of a football star back in my native country, I know what I went through. And I knew the struggles I had myself. I will be one person who will read the Bible at the point in time looking for excuses to excuse my wayward life. And I used to joke with people that if I were to die when I was in those, in those periods, if I was to die when I was a young person, if I get to heaven, I will say to whoever welcomes me to heaven, and will say, please, can you show me the way to hell? Because I have searched the gospel, and I knew there was no excuse for me without God's salvation. And so two questions arise as we, as the mortal man looks at himself. As he looks at the state Paul described to us in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, saying that we were lost in trespasses. We were dead in it. What it means to be dead in it, we were beyond turning back. Even when our heart desires for a change, we do not have what it takes to change it. We see that from the cry of the man Paul spoke about in Romans chapter 7, the man who cried out and said, who will deliver me from this body of flesh that is destroying me? When he was confronted by the laws of the holy God, he saw he could not fulfill the law. And he cried out loud, who will save me from this body that is destroying me? But we see something here that Paul reveals to us, saying that we were saved by grace. We are saved by grace and not by works. Let's try to answer two questions. The two questions that confront the mortal man in his attempts to find a relationship with God. He cries out, can I be saved? in the light of my failings. He cries out, how is that possible in the light of my weaknesses? I'm sure we all have heard about the word grace. It's a popular word we bandy around in the Christendom. When we talk about sin, when we talk about the love of God, grace is not far behind. And if we are asked to define grace, the accepted common definition is grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is true. But it is when we begin to push the boundaries of grace, when we begin to press further into what grace really represents, what does grace, how does grace address where we stand, that we begin to run into troubled waters of ambiguity. It is then we begin to ask questions 
How real is grace in the light of what I am going through? It is true. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is true. Grace is the gift of God to one who does not deserve it. Grace is God's gift to you and I, even when we were his enemies. Even when we were running away from him. Even when we didn't want anything to do with him. Grace is that gift of, for salvation that God made available to us. It is true. Grace is a manifestation. It's an expression of God's love to us. What we needed in the state that Paul described is God's salvation. We needed to be saved. We needed to be redeemed. But we did not have the ability to do that. But the love of God makes available to us that which we do not deserve. But there's an aspect of grace that we also need to consider. As we look at ourselves, as we look at our struggles, as we try to weigh the option of God's salvation, thinking it is in our strength that this salvation comes to us, there is an aspect of grace we need to consider. It is an aspect that also says, grace is the power of God. The power of God to do what? The power of God made available to accomplish what we said we cannot do. Paul stated clearly, we are saved by grace, not by works, so that no one can boast. Grace is the only reason the one who has no hope in this world, who has been written of, who has been told his life is irredeemable. Grace is the only hope left for such to look up to heaven because God in his infinite mercy opens the door of redemption to anyone who walks through. God throws the challenge open, open to all mankind saying, come, even if your sins were as red as scarlet, come. I will wash you, and I will make you to become as white as stone. The courts of the law, the courts of this world, looks at the mess in the life of people, sees the life, sees the mess, and the courts of mankind says, you are irredeemable. But through the lenses of grace, grace says to us, with God, all things are possible. Grace is the power of God made available to us. J. Douglas MacMillan put it this way. He said, it is the power of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exerted in complete unity of purpose and harmony of action for our salvation. It is the power of God the Father, the power of God the Son, and power of God the Holy Spirit, all walking in unity to bring about God's salvation into the life of the one who is held in the bondage of sin. It is the power that broke the yoke of sin, turning a hopeless situation around. To understand the power that grace makes available, we need to look at the odds 
stacked against the one saved by grace. Paul said, the one saved by grace was hopelessly lost, was dead in truth. He said, the only thing deserving, the only thing that the one lost in sin merited from God was God's wrath. And yet, through grace, through the power of grace, such a life is turned around. The one who is deemed worthy of only wrath finds himself enjoying the mercy, the love, and the blessings of God. I want us to concentrate on this aspect that says grace is power because this is where we struggle with the concept of grace. Oftentimes, the way grace is bandied around is to make us is some kind of a fan we use to cool ourselves down when we feel the pressure of trying to, to be right with God. Oftentimes, we use it as an explanation to explain our, our hopelessness on our struggle in our walk of faith. The truth is this. We need to understand what grace sets out to accomplish in the life of the one who has run to old grace. Grace is not a license for us to live in despair. Grace is not a license for us to indulge ourselves. Grace is not a license for us to throw our hands up in despair and say, you know what, it cannot be done. How do we know this? The second scripture we read tells us what grace sets out to accomplish, saying to us that the grace of God that brings salvation, the grace that God revealed to us is revealed for one purpose, to bring the one who is lost back into God's salvation. The grace that is revealed to our world is the one that is made available to bring back the one who everybody has written of. Doing so not by their strength, but by the strength and the power made available by God himself. He says, for the grace that brings salvation, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion and to live self-control, upright, and godly lives in this present age. In the life of various manners of teachings around the subject matter of grace, we need to pay close attention to what this passage is saying. We do this by asking the question, what does the grace of God set out to achieve? Grace is not an open license to do or live as we wish. It is not ambiguous in what it sets out to accomplish in the life of the beneficiaries. By saying that grace is the license to live as we are, while completely ignoring the call for repentance and change, which gospel demands of us, it amounts to denying the power of grace. The truth is, the one who is in the throes of grace will struggle. And what this struggle easily reveals to us is the conflicting nature or the power that is at play. 
the flesh against the spirit. Which the Bible clearly stated for us that they are at war with each other. But grace walking in the power of the Holy Spirit says, with the spirit we mortify the deeds of the flesh. Grace is an assurance that the one who is going through this path is assured of victory. When? I don't know. At what time will it come? I don't know. But the one who is in the journey, who is being taken on a journey of grace, is assured of one thing. It is that victory. That victory that Christ has obtained on the cross of Calvary. The end product of grace can be seen. The end product of grace is one who walks in the nature of Christ. The end product of grace is one who shines the light of Christ to the world. For Paul said in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let us not ignore what grace makes available to us. The power for us to make to happen. The power to change what we could not change. As I round up, let us look at the application here. First, we look at the ones who is yet to come to God by availing of himself the grace that is available. We look at the one who is still looking at himself or herself and still wondering, is this for me? We look at the one who is still struggling, looking at the weaknesses, looking at the mess that surrounds them and saying, I cannot do this on myself. I remember a lady walking up to me in our church in Droida. And she looked around and said, oh, you, so you don't have any problem. You all have been able to turn it around. You all look nice. You all look good. You all look right. And I laughed. The reason why I laughed was not mocking her. I laughed because I know where I came from. It was not by my strength that I got to where I was. It was the grace of God. The one who looks at himself or herself and feels because of where they are at and looks at their weaknesses and thinks that they cannot do it. Such is looking at works. Such is looking at what they can accomplish in their own strength. That is not the meaning of grace. Grace says, come as you are. I will work it out in your life. What about the one who is already going through grace and is struggling to reconcile what is going on in his life or her life? The struggles, the challenges. We see the example of such a person in the life of Paul. Paul went through this trouble and he cried to God that he might see the end of that struggle and he got an answer that says, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, there's something, that's just what I want us to pick from that conversation. The sufficiency of God's grace. Now, it does not matter how far gone we have been. It does not matter the scale of what we have done. 
It does not matter how bad it may look. It does not matter how, how horrific it may sound. The sufficiency of God's grace says, I will deal with this. Perhaps what we need to cry to, what we need to pray for, what we need to learn to do is to tap in into that sufficiency. It is grace that brought us this far. The one who began the journey by grace must resist the temptation to now resort to works. Because we began this journey with grace. And with grace, we will finish this journey. We cannot stop in the middle of the road and now begin to look at self. We cannot, in the middle of the road, begin to try to do works. We cannot take our eyes off grace in the middle of the journey. No matter how tempted we are to do so, we must continue to hold on unto grace. As I round up, I want to encourage us today. I don't know where we are at. I don't know what is being whispered into our hearts. But I want us to know this, as Paul rightly puts it, that we are saved by grace. And only by grace. Nothing else but by grace. And not by works. We must learn to look up to the one who called us that he might save us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for your word that has spoken to us this morning. Father, we thank you because we know that left to our own devices, left to our own strength, left to our own understanding and ability, we do not have the ability to save ourselves. The struggles that awaits tells us this. Heavenly Father, we also acknowledge that, that there's a voice that keeps saying to us on the basis of our failings, Father Lord, that we are not worthy of being saved. Lord, we thank you for you counter this voice this morning by pointing us to the light of grace and that which grace sets out to accomplish in our life. We thank you, Father, Lord, for your love, for your mercy, and especially for your power, the power of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all walking in unity to bring the one who is in the yoke of sin and bondage and darkness into the light of your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, there be anyone here this morning struggling, Father Lord, to come to you on the account of what they perceive that they cannot change or move in their lives. Lord, I pray that the message that you reveal through your grace will come strongly. The light of grace will shine in such a light. And every encouragement that comes from this message 
will comfort, strengthen, and encourage such. And Lord, we pray for as many as we have committed ourselves to you. Lord, you are faithful. You will be with us. You will hold us through this journey. You will not leave us. You will not abandon us because you are faithful. And you who began this good thing, you are more than able to finish it. And so, Lord, even as we go back into the world to pursue our daily interest, Lord, we pray that you will continue to hold us in the truth of grace. Thank you, Father, Lord, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us now bring our service to our closing by singing our closing hymn, Amazing Grace. Let us pray and bless one another with the words of the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and forevermore. Amen.